Bokartov. Sorry for yesterday's class not making it. We, uh, it got, the file just got messed up, so we couldn't upload it. But I'm going to do a quick review of what we said. Uh, we were going through the journeys of B'nai Israel in year 40, right before they're entering Eretz Israel. If you look at the Psukim that we did, we did. Um, we started from Revi'i yesterday, and that was the. Um, we did the story of the Ma'apilim, in which a section of Bnei tried to go into into Israel and they failed, and uh, and that was immediately after the sin of the spies. And then the text jumps to year forty when Bnei Israel are are. Uh, or uh, trying to enter the land of Israel, they bump into three people. They, they bump into Seir, who's a descendant of Esav. They bump into Moab, and they bump into Ammon. Now, from what we remember from the text of the Psukim, how did all of that transpire? We go to Seir, and we ask them if we could go, and they say, no, and they come out with the sword, right? Do you remember that? That was also the situation where we asked, like, We'll, we'll pay for our water, we'll pay for whatever yeah. else, let us pass through, and they still said no. Exactly, exactly, yes. So, what's interesting is that when Moshe retells the stories, which is the main point we made yesterday, is what is his focus? It's not that they didn't let us go in, it's that Borei Olam said, you cannot go in because the, that is their land. Now, why would it be their land? Because these are descendants of Abraham. Right, Esau was descendant of Abraham. Ammon and Moab were descendants of Lot, so they're part of that family. So we're only conquering land from people who are not descendants of Abraham. But these were all descendants of Esau, meaning Asra Amamina Tatilo. Here, let me read it. Um, which are she? Yerushala Esav me Avraham. Asra amamina tatilo. Shiva lachem. Ukni vekeni uknisi vekadmoni. Hen amonu muav v'seir. There's all different nations, right? They're different people. Echad me Esav ashnam libne Lot. He's saying the zechut of the zechut. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what, that's the idea. The idea is the descendants of Abraham are not going to be uh, attacked by other descendants of Abraham. Okay. Now, now that's the way Moshe is phrasing it. But what what do we know to be true that it wasn't the, the reason we didn't attack them I mean we, we could have attacked them in theory but, but what Moshe leaves out is that they came out to fight us they came out to fight us instead he's saying that Borei Olam told us not to attack them now, now it's not lying because just because Esav came out and told us not to enter doesn't mean we couldn't have easily destroyed them destroyed Esav with the help of Hashem right so but Moshe is focusing on the element that's not Esav coming out, but on the fact that Borei Olam told them not to attack. And, and we were debating what, what that could mean, because this only happened a few months prior, right? The interaction with Esav, with Seir, happens pretty much right before the speech. 
So it's not like Bnei Israel don't remember what happened or how what happened. Oh, it's definitely not. It's that. Uh, it's definitely a a ma'asev banim kind of thing. That Esav and Yaakov are are are, uh, are destined to cross paths over and over and over again. You know, but Moshe seems to not want to focus on the enemies of Bnei Israel showing themselves to be strong, right? Because Bnei Israel are about to enter Eretz Israel now. So what what kind of message do they want to hear? They want your message of courage, of strength, right? So, so he's not going to focus on the fact that the enemies of Bnei Israel came out aggressively and wanted to attack. He's going to focus on the fact that we could have beat them, but Borei Olam told us not to. You know. So there are two lessons that Bnei Israel are taking from, from the way Moshe is telling the story. One is that Borei Olam guides who they do battle with. And two, that, that the enemies are defeatable if we want to. Don't think that because, because if you look at Bamidbar, you may think that we couldn't beat Esav because we were scared. Or we didn't want to attack Esav because we couldn't have beaten them. But that's not the kind of message you give to the people on the eve of them going into battle. So that's what we discussed yesterday. Um, kind of like the world's message to Israel. Yeah. Yeah, to sit back. Yeah, but what's the, what's the connection there? Right, 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 right. They're comparing the two. Huh? Sure, you can join. <laughs> Are you joking? Wow, <laughs> it will be a pleasure. Okay, um, Aliyat Shishi. Okay, so that's so that's what we were studying. I just summarized our shiur from yesterday because it, the, the the file didn't make it. Okay. Okay, so now we're going to go to Sichon. And this time, unlike by, by uh, Amon, Moab, and Seir, the descendants of Esav and the descendants of Lot, this time, Sichon is Emori, no relation to Abraham, so we could conquer him. Go for it. And, and why is Moshe retelling this part of the story? To show them how they win. To show them how they can win. Exactly. This is a, a this is exciting motivation for Bnei Israel, right? And it's also, by the way, when they show when Moshe talks about the victories of that Bnei Israel have over their enemies and how Borei Olam allowed them to succeed over their enemies. Now that's going to lead into the next part of the speech, which is uh, which is encouraging Bnei Israel to keep the mitzvot. You see how successful you were. So again. We were saying at the beginning of the shiur, Moshe is glossing over the parts when the enemies came out. He doesn't mention that because it's not relevant, because he wants to focus on how successful they could be with the help of Borei Olam. And once Bnei Israel know how successful they could be when Borei Olam is with them, they're they're going to have more courage, courage. but they're also going to be motivated to keep the mitzvot better. Okay? So it says, Sichon Nikratenu, Hu Sichon came out to, to, uh, to do battle with us. He and his, the, his, whole, his whole people to the place called Yatza. 
And God gave him in our hands, and we struck him and his sons and his whole people. We captured all of his cities, we destroyed all of the populated cities, the men, the women, I mean the, the women, the children, we didn't leave anybody. We conquered the animals and we took the plunder of the cities, the ones that we conquered, the ones that we captured. He gives some of the, the boundaries of where we conquered at this time. But you did not come close to the land of Ammon. Why, why is that? Because Borei Olam told you not to conquer Ammon. Okay? All of the territory of Ammon, which is described in that last pasuk. Okay? Now, that was Sihon. Now we have one more. Now we have Og. Then we went to the Bashan. And Og... Melech HaBashan came out Likratenu Hu B'chol HaMola Milchama Edrei Came to Edrei Vayomar Adonai Lai Al Tira Oto God said to me Do not fear him Ki V'yalecha Natati Oto Vet Kol HaMola Vet Artsov Asita Lo Kashir Asita L'Sichon Melech HaEmori Asher Yashir B'Cheshbon You will do to him As you did to Sichon The king of the Amorites That dwelled in Cheshbon Vayten Adonai Lenu B'yadenu Gam Et Og Melech HaBashan Vet Kol HaMola God gave us Og as well and we struck him till there was nobody left. We captured all of their cities. There wasn't one city that we didn't conquer from him. 60 cities, the whole strip of Argov, the uh, kingdom of It's not the United States. What do you think so? It looks like Yeah, the way it's describing it, it seems like it must have been a bigger accomplishment. Also notice that for Sichon, God does not say, do not fear him. Only yeah. by Og. He yeah, says, al tirauto, maybe. What Yoram is pointing out is, look at how many cities it's describing he has. They were probably huge compared to Sichon. That's a chidush. That is a chidush. Bravo, bravo. Bravo, Yoram. What? They kill Og right here, yeah. How old is it? According to the Midrash, Og must have been like a thousand plus years old. There's only one Og. It's the same Og, right? From Noah no, until, it's, uh, so, so there's no mention of... Um, where is Og first mentioned in the Torah? It's not the same. So according to the Peshat, it's not the same Og. It could be that every king they had was named Og. Like Paro. It's probably that, like us, you know, we name our grandfather or our father, you know. The, yeah, yeah. It was, probably, it was probably something like that. Why the Midrash makes Og so old, I don't know. I, I once had a theory with my Chavruta that it was, a, it was like a sophisticated theory of why Og reappears throughout the, the thing. There are a few psukim. There are psukim at the end of Parashat Bereshit that talk about the Rifaim, who are like the the giants the nephilim the nephilim and then there's another pasuk that says kirak og nishar miyeter harifaim that og was left over of those rifaim and if you want to assume that he was a leftover of the rifaim and the rifaim are the same as the nephilim then you have to trace og all the way back to the end of bereshit when it talks about the nephilim so that's why og reappears over and over and over because the first reference that could be to him is all the way in the beginning of the torah now, is that the Peshat? I don't think so. Okay? I don't think that's uh, the simple yeah, this understanding. Is a, this is like a 10th uh, generation or something like that. Yeah. Um, it's still a giant. 
Right, so Pasuk These were all fortified cities uh, that had doors and, and blocky and, and, you know, things protecting them. And then there are many open cities also that we conquered. So I like the Peshad, Yoram, I think that's, I think what you said is true. I think that the focus on Og is that it was much bigger than Sichon. Sichon we conquered with relative ease. Moshe didn't need any encouragement. When you get to Og, all of a sudden it's a lot of cities, 60 cities. So, we destroyed them. We destroyed those cities. We destroyed those cities. All the animals and the plunder we took for ourselves. We took the land at that time that was by the, the belonged to the two kings of the Amorites. Again, focus on the Amorites and not on the Ammonites or the Moabites or the Seir people. Okay, uh, I'm going to skip this area here. This is that pasuk I told you, pasuk 11. Kirak og nishar meter, kirak og melech habashan nishar meter harafaim. Og, he was the leftover of the rafaim. Hine arso ayres barzel. His bed was a as a iron bed. He was so big. Halo he berabat bnei amon. Whatever. So this is all. Um, it goes into giving the dimensions of the bed. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. These sukim are, are a bit complicated. What? That's the story of Abraham. Amrafel melech shina aruch melech azak hadol aomer melech elam v'tid al melech koim asum ilchamat bera. That's the story of Abraham with the four and the five. Measurements of the bed that he's sleeping on. Yeah, so what's going on in these Sukim? It's going. How, how big is this guy? Yeah, but it's also. Um, it's showing. It's trying to show the where they came from. It says. Here. It's trying to show the. Sorry, it's trying to show the border of Eretz Israel. It's trying to explain to you where Har Hermon is. Okay, so it said the Sirion, Sidonim used to call Hermon Sirion. And then the Emori called it Senir. Whatever, I'm not going to go into that because that's it's just the Torah trying to... The Torah, every time it gives the borders of where B'nai Shal conquered, it brings proof that that is where the border was so that nobody can claim that we went into Amon's territory. But we, what, which, which happens in the story this of Yiftach HaGiladi. This is also good for today. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, yeah. No, no, it is, it is. It's, uh, how, how big was his bed? Tesha Amot Orka. It was nine Amot long. So the guy was like uh, eight feet tall or something. This is incredible. <laughs> right, if his bed is a little bit longer than him. One Amot is 50 centimeters. One Amot, let's say a foot and a half. So it could be the guy was like 10, 10 plus feet tall. Or he was like eight feet tall. He just had a bed that was a little bit big for him. Four meters. Okay. Uh, the land at this time we conquered at that time we conquered this land and then I gave it to whom? Ruben and God so we're going to finish the parasha with the distribution of this territory that was conquered with Menashe exactly the remnant of the Gilad and the Bashan area the kingdom of Og I gave to Menashe the land of the Rifaim I gave to Menashe. Yair ben Menashe lakachet kolchevel argov. Yair ben Menashe took this area. Ad gevula geshuriva machati. Who is Yair ben Menashe? Yair ben Menashe was apparently, if you look in the Yivriah, I mean, a descendant of Yehuda, actually, who yeah, married, yeah, who was on Menashe. He was, he was uh, his mother's side was Menashe. His father's side was Yehuda. So he was like a very great 
like a, a warrior who became famous in the Torah for helping take over the territories of Sihon for the people of Menashe. Question, from, Rabbi, Menashe is half in this territory, yeah. and then the other half is, is right, next to, proper, right, next, right to next to it. Right next to it, it's attached. Yeah. Right, right so next to it, attached in Israel. They, it's, it's the connecting, the connecting, connecting thing. Right, well, they didn't ask to, to no, Menashe did not ask. That, that seems... So there, there are two interpretations to how Menashe ended up there. One is that Yair ben Menashe was a great warrior, this man, and he went and he conquered these cities, so they let him join. And he settled his family there because that's what he partook in that war and he led the battle against Sihon or something. Uh, or Og. Sorry, which one was him? Og. Og, right? Og. So, or you could say that Moshe placed them there, which seems to be the Peshat, in order to maintain a connection between the right half and the left half of Israel. The half on the right side of the Jordan and the half on the left side of the Jordan. Unfortunately, after many, many years, there was... And then they were the first to get, they were the first to get obliterated by the Assyrians, followed by the Northern Kingdom, and then Yehuda got, got destroyed by the Babylonians. Okay? natati uh, tagilad, Pasuk 15, this is Aliyah Shavi'i. To Machir, I gave the Gilad territory. Machir is from the tribe of Binyamin. They were led by Yair. It's going to go through the territory that was given to Reuven and God. I'm going to skip that. Pasuk 18. I told Reuven, God, and Menashe at that time that God has given you this territory on the condition that you do what? That you go before B'nai Israel armed. Yes. Your, your wives, your children, your cattle, I know you have a lot, so they can remain on the eastern side of the Jordan in your cities. Until God gives a, a success to the rest of B'nai Israel and they conquer, like you, and then their after, land, then you and then you can go back. Good. Uh, and everybody could go back to his territory that I have given That's you. That's approximately eight years, no, Rabbi? Uh, 14, uh, there were seven years of conquering. And did they wait for the distribution or no? There were seven years of distribution also. So 14 years. It was 14 years. I just wow. don't know if they waited for the first seven or they waited for the full 14. I have to check again. It's in Sefer Yoshua. Okay. Uh, and then I commanded Yoshua at that time saying... Uh, your eyes saw exactly what God did to these two kings, Sihon and Og. So shall God do to all of the kingdoms of Shirata over Shama that you are going that you are crossing into. Do not fear them, for God is the one who fights for you. So if we're going to uh, finish Parashat Devarim, uh, what is the point of Moshe's speech basically Give right now? Courage. Yes, to show you how successful everything has been so far. Don't worry. You, when we, when okay. I led you out to battle, here, Hashem has been with you so far. Don't worry, I'm we, not here. We came across... Now, the people that didn't, that didn't allow us to go in, we could have beat them. We could have beat them. But Borei Olam told us not to attack them, and that was for familial reasons. And the people that we were not family, we beat them successfully. And we conquered their cities. And I divided their cities. Minashe, Yair ben Minashe, was able to conquer a beautiful area. Then I gave to Reuven and God also their portion. And they settled successfully. And I made them promise to come with you. And those successful warriors who already conquered their territory are going to be leading you out to battle. So it's even more. And then, now... Uh, Bnei Israel should be inspired and they should have a lot of confidence and Munana Kodesh Baruch Hu 
And then in next week's parasha, and then he finishes by saying, and then I commanded Yehoshua that he has to have courage and he has to go in. And, um, and I commended him that you've seen all of the success we've had so far. So be sure to have that courage. And then that's what leads into our parasha for this week, which is Vaid Khanan, which is Moshe prays to Bore Olam to allow him to go into the land. But now that we've studied Parashat Devarim very closely, we understand exactly why Moshe is now praying to enter the land. Why is he praying to enter because, the land now? Because he thinks that because they can go. Because he's had so much success so far. Maybe, and we've just succeeded in dividing the land to half of Ben Israel. Maybe this, is, this, this success is a sign that I could enter. But the answer is going to be no. Just because you've had the success so far, it is Yoshua who needs to lead you in after that. So that's what we're going to continue so on difficult. tomorrow. Side point, um, the Shurim on Vayet Hanan are we have last year's and I listened to them and there are some things that I, I heard in the Shiur which I completely forgot. So it's good. So I highly recommend you, uh, you, you look back. Amen. Amen. Amen.